So what I'll do today is I would like to share my story, my testimony. Um, that's why I don't have any slides today. And the purpose is to show you the importance of being part of a body of believers such as this, a local church. You know, we talk about this already several times, and I hope all, every one of us, even those who are online, understand the difference between the church, really the church as a whole, meaning every person that believes in Jesus since the beginning until the end, till the end. So the church is really everyone that believes in Jesus Christ, right? That's followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. So if you are a Christian, you can also be called a disciple, a member of the church, um, uh, a, a believer in Christ. You know, there's a born-again believer, born-again born person. So, so there, there's many terms that we use to describe uh, followers of Jesus. So there's this body of believers, everyone that has accepted Jesus since the beginning until the end of time. That's the church. And it's a spiritual entity. It's a spiritual entity. Meaning, the way to know who's the member of the church is really based on heart relationship with Christ. But also, there's a local body of believers, which is you and me, like River Life, and around the world, even in Austin, there's a lot of different churches in Austin and around the world. And so, I... I there's a command for us as believers. It's often commanded us in Scripture. We find it in the writings of Paul, in Jesus' words himself, that we are to fellowship. We are to connect. We are to be part of a local body of believers. And that is why you have all these books found in the New Testament, letters found in New Testament, Ephesians, Colossians, Thessalonians, you know, Galatians. These are actually local body of believers that Paul started, uh, churches that Paul uh, established and, and also the importance, I want to show you the importance of being committed to a local church. Being committed. But let's first come to the Lord in prayer, because I know some of you probably read the news. That's what's going on right now in the Middle East, especially in, the, in Israel, right? Um, and I truly believe that even though a lot of nations around is, hates Israel around them, you know, many of the nations around Israel hates, the, hates Israel and wants to destroy Israel ever since they've been founded, the new, uh, you know, new nation of Israel that started back in the 19, 1948. I always believe God will protect them because God has been protecting them ever since, right? Uh, God has protected Israel ever since. And I would, like, I would like us to take this time to pray for Israel and what they're going through right now. But I'm going to read some scripture to you to show you that this new nation of Israel is really the nation that God established a long time ago and there's this revival of this nation, the rebirth of this nation in our, in our time. You know, in, the, in Ezekiel, there was a prophecy of the dry bones, uh, the valley of dry bones that uh, Ezekiel... I saw this was a vision of Ezekiel, and, and God showed this to Ezekiel. Prophesy to these bones. It says in Ezekiel 37, verse 4. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the scripture, uh, the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will, make, I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life, and I will attach tendons to you, 
and make flesh upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. And you will know that I am the Lord. And as I look, uh, jumping to verse 8, as I look, the tendons and the flesh appeared and the skin covered them. And there was no, but there was no breath in them. So eventually what we see here is a, is a vision that, that uh, dry bones, dead bones coming back to life. And, and we know what this is. This is the prophecy that God is going to restore Israel, is going to revive Israel. You know that Israel was disappeared from the map, uh, you know, got lost from history since the first century, right? When Rome, the Romans destroyed the entire nation, raised down the, entire, the temple, all the, the, the walls, and nothing, pretty much, you know, Jesus prophesied this. He said that not a single stone will be left on top of another. So Israel was really decimated in the first century, and the people of God, the Jewish na Jews, got dispersed all over the world. That's why there are Jews all over Europe, uh, even as we, we know from the, from the last century. We know of the Holocaust, and that's because there were lots of Jews in Poland, in Germany, in Austria. So, so they, were, they, were, they were scattered, and they lost their land, they lost their nation, they lost their country. They didn't, they didn't have a country. And, 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 but this prophecy tells us that one day, one day, God is going to restore the nation of Israel before the return of Christ. He's going to bring back his people from all, from all these nations back to his own land. And this is now the land of Israel. And we're seeing it in our lifetime. We're seeing this in our lifetime. And we as Christians, we support Israel. We pray for Israel. And we are for Israel. And we are not for any of the nations that are around them. Because those nations around Israel worship an idol. An evil, evil idol. That's not a god actually. That's an idol. An image that they worship. Today they say it's a god in heaven. No, that's a lie. That was an idol that belonged to the family of Muhammad. And his family worshipped that small idol. It was a Babylonian idol. It's a moon god. It's a moon idol. And all these people around them worship this moon idol. There's no love on this idol. He doesn't know how to love. He doesn't teach love. He doesn't reveal himself to people. It enslaves people. And I don't want you to be supportive of this belief system as a church. Or even sympathize to this belief system because it's evil. And sadly, people don't know this. Don't know this. The people that are worshiping this they have, no, they have no clue. They don't know what they are worshiping. And they been, they've been enslaved for centuries and centuries. It's actually Babylonian moon idol. And, and, and so these are the kind of people that are destroying the nation of Israel, which is, we know the chosen people of God, Yahweh God. Same God we worship, we honor and that's why we are to pray for Israel because one day God is going to bring them back. Right now they reject Jesus. But one day God is going to restore Israel. He's going to restore this nation back to himself. And the Jews are going to worship God, going to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But right now there's this blindness on their part. And we see this in Ezekiel again as you read. This is what the sovereign Lord says. If you jump to 20, verse 20 of chapter 37. 
This is what the sovereign Lord says. This is where we find a prophecy now, which is happening in our time, in our generation. This is what the Lord says. I will take Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back into the land, into their own land. Verse 22, I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over them, over all of them, and I will never again, and never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms. You know what happened to Israel back then, right? Divided into two kingdoms. But this time, they're going to be one nation. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols or vile images or any of their offenses. I will save them from all their sinful backsliding. I will cleanse them. And they will be my people, and I will be their God. And God is going to restore them eventually. That God will be their God. Christ will be their Savior. And you can see here, if you read verse 38, that's why, if we look at why all these nations around Israel are trying to destroy Israel, this is a history that, that has been around. This situation has been around ever since the beginning of the nation of Israel, even the birth, since the birth of Israel. Since Moses and all the Israelites returned to the promised land. We know the story of Exodus, uh, the, how the Israelites entered, returned back to the promised land from being enslaved in Egypt for, for hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years. And they're back in Israel, and they had to fight against all those nations around them, left, right, north, south. They were all fighting against, they were fighting against all these nations. And those nations that are around Israel right now are the very same nations that were around back then. And in fact, in, 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 verse, in chapter 38, it talks about the, nation, the, the land of Gog. It says, Sir, therefore, son of man prophesies, say to Gog, this is G-O-G, Gog. This is what the, script, the, the scriptures of the Lord says. In that day, my people Israel are living in safety. Uh, will you not take Notice of it. Um, you will come from your place in the north and many nations with you and all of them riding their horses, a great horde, a mighty army. You will advance against my people Israel like a cloud that covers the land. In the days, in the days to come, O God, you will bring, I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me and I'll show myself holy through you before their eyes. And this Gog, by the way, is, are the northern nations above Israel. What are those nations? Right now, you know what are those nations north of Israel. And one of them is Iran, Russia, even part of Turkey. And God is saying here that time will come. All these nations, we're going we're gonna to fight against Israel. There's going to be a horde of armies that's going to go attack Israel. But God is saying he's going to destroy these nations. He's going, to, he's going to go against these nations. And the reason why? Because he's going to show these nations that he is God. He's going to reveal to these nations that he is God. That the rest of these nations are worshipping a puny idol. That this nation, that Israel, that the God of Israel is the God, is, he is God. Only God. No other one beside him, not God beside him. He is one and only God, creator of heaven and earth. And that's what God is going to do. And that's why for us Christians, 
I know whatever, I don't know what political mindset you have in terms of your belief and how you, whether you stand with Israel or not. But if you're a Christian, you should stand with Israel. This nation of Israel right now. Don't listen to what false information or news that says negative about Israel. I know they, they're not perfect as a nation as well. But if God is on their side, then I'll be on their side as well. Because there's a, there's a promise that whoever blesses Israel will be blessed and whoever curses Israel will be cursed. And those nations that are against Israel, if we as a country will be against Israel, the United States, will be cursed as a country. God will, God's blessing will not be in the U.S. if we reject Israel as a nation. Because God has determined that this is what it is. This is his purpose, this is his plan, and this is his chosen people. Although we are also God's chosen people as Christians. But of course, we always recognize the pregnant woman that gave birth to Jesus Christ. In chapter 12 of Revelation. That, that pregnant woman is Israel. Amen? So let us pray. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this day that you have given us, Lord God, to worship you, Lord God. Lord, we pray that we glorify you, Lord, in our thoughts, in our hearts. Lord, how many times, O oh God, we offend you, O oh God. We fail you, O oh God, with our sinfulness, Lord. Sometimes, Lord, our sin may not be sins of the flesh or may not be lying, but it could be, Lord, thoughts and desires of our heart that is against your will, O oh God, that we compromise with the thinking of this world. We compromise with the ideas of Satan, O oh God. Lord, you called us, O oh God, to reject these things, O oh God, that belongs to the enemy, Lord. And help us, O oh God, not to entertain, not to give in to any of the lies of the enemy, any of the lies that this world is selling, O oh God, uh, Lord, causing deception among many today around the world, O oh God, and even among believers, Lord. Lord, because, Lord, and every time we give in to the lies of Satan, we become ineffective, O oh God, in our walk with you, in our, in our ministry, in our service to you, in your purpose for our life, O oh God, we become ineffective, powerless, Lord. And Lord, help us, Lord. Grant us the discernment by your Spirit, Lord. Grant us that discernment, O oh God. Grant us the wisdom to understand your ways, your will, O oh God. That, Lord, every time there's something that doesn't belong to you, O oh God, we, even our youth, even our young children, all of us who are adults, even our older brothers and sisters, Lord, we will have the discernment, O oh God, that comes from you, that comes from the Spirit, Lord, to reject anything in the world. I pray that we as a church will be on fire, O oh God, and nothing of the world will diminish that flame, O oh God. Lord, I confess that at times, O oh God, we, we fail to trust you, Lord. We fail to fully trust you because, Lord, sometimes our prayers are not answered, Lord. Sometimes we don't see you at work and we don't understand why you're not at work. Why, do we, why, cannot we, why can't we see you at work around us and through us? It seems every day is just another day. And, and Lord, our days are ordinary days as if nothing is happening, Lord. And many of us begin to question, where is God? What is God doing? I feel that nothing is happening. Lord, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. And grant us a humble and repentant heart to recognize our sin. Because clearly in your word, you told this, you told us, you said in your word to Jesus Christ, that my father 
is always at work. Always. And, and our Lord, I pray that we as your people, as your children, we will make all effort, do everything we can, Lord, to find you, to see you, to be able to see what you're doing, O oh God, around us and in this world, O oh God. It's just as Jesus, just what Jesus did as well. This is what he did. To look at what his father is doing, to see what his father is doing and join him. And I pray that we are in the same way, Lord God, like Jesus. Joining you in what you're doing, O oh God, in this world. Lord, I pray for the nation of Israel, O oh God. We pray for the nation of Israel that you protect them in the midst of the trials they're going through right now. The, the things that are coming up against Israel today, Lord. Grant them wisdom. Grant leaders wisdom. Grant people of the Israel, nation of Israel, wisdom, Lord, and how to deal with this threat that they're going through, what they're experiencing right now, Lord. Keep them safe. Keep them protected, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you also bless the nations that are supporting them, Lord God. That you grant them also the heart to support, to help in their time of need, Lord. For those nations that are against Israel, our prayers, Lord, that you stop any kind of evil that they're doing. Uh, but our prayer for, those, for the people in those nations, oh God, that are against Israel, that salvation will come upon their souls, that the gospel will enter their nation and enter their land and people will come to Christ and they will reject that belief system, that religion that enslaves, the religion that is against your will, a religion that is not loving. Lord, deliver them from this lie, deliver them from this false religion and bring them to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Open the door for the gospel to get into the, enter their lives, enter their families, Lord. And I praise you, Lord, that you are saving millions and millions in this nations right now, Lord, through the underground churches, oh God, through missionaries, oh God, that are risking, risking their lives, oh God, and reaching to those underground churches, distributing Bibles, oh God. And even, Lord God, oh Lord, uh, uh, I know people personally, Lord God, who are going there, oh God, and and, and Lord, reaching out, Lord, this nations with the gospel, Lord God, also bless them, the people we know personally, Lord. Lord God, let there be revival in this nations that people will turn to Christ. Millions will, will turn to Christ, oh God. And once again, we pray for the nation of Israel that you protect them, Lord. And let Victory be theirs, O oh God, because I know you are with them, Lord God. You will never leave them nor forsake them. And oh Lord, same in our situation. You will never leave us nor forsake us. That in the midst of these times we are in right now, Lord, where there's increasing hostility towards your people, Lord God, not just the nation of Israel, but hostility towards Christian, O oh God, Christians and persecution that's increasing all over the world, O oh God. Lord, we know that we will overcome we will remain standing lord because you are with us you are for us oh god and you are our strength you are our protector lord and that we river life church will continue to stand lord god and be faithful lord that we will not compromise with the lies of this world even compromise we will not compromise with false christianity lord but we will stand on the truth lord bless the lives of my brothers and sisters whatever 
this personal struggle they're going through. Grant them wisdom to overcome, Lord. Whatever marriage struggles they're going through, Lord God, relationship with their kids, oh God, Lord, grant them wisdom to overcome, Lord. Lord, help us to have the wings of an eagle, oh God. Now we will, we will rise up above every trial that we're going through. We will, Lord, maybe you might not remove any of the trials we're going through, Lord God. Because, Lord, what you want for us is to, Lord, mount up with wings like eagles, oh God. And be, and be stronger, oh God, than we are today. Lord, bless your word. Bless what I'm going to share today. Ask your guidance and wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. I came to know Christ when I was in high school. I shared this with the youth during our uh, What I w- Wish I Knew. Is that the title, right? What I Wish I Knew when I was 18. Uh, I shared this a little bit with the youth, but I would like to share this with the church also, but focusing more on how the church impacted my life. Came to know Christ when I was 16 uh, through, a, through a college student named Norman. He came to our school and shared the gospel with a few students, and I was one of those students who heard the gospel from Norman. Back then, I, the message was very simple. I, he used four spiritual laws on me, uh, you know, by Campus Crusade. He was one of the leaders of Campus Crusade back in, the, in my hometown in Samwanga. And I, I was in high school back then when I came to know Christ through his sharing, but I heard the gospel a few times, but it was probably him who really took time to share with me the gospel and also disciple me. So I was on my last year in high school, and the last few months that I was in high school, he was, we spent time together almost every week. Uh, Campus Crusade had a, had a discipleship material called, called Caring Circles, I think that was the name, Caring Circles Bible Study. It was like a 12-week uh, discipleship program, so I went through that with him. <coughs> but at the same time, I was going to my home church, which is my parents' church. We were, uh, we were all, I, I was still I was going to a newer church, uh, another church, a new church. But, but did you know that it was around that time also, and I was in high school, around that time, Ariel, my brother, and Anne, my sister, they also came to know Christ. <laughs> we came to know Christ in different uh, not at the same time, but not also on the same situation. Uh, but we were all in high school when he came to know Christ. Anne was in high school when she accepted Christ, Ariel as well. So, after that experience, after coming to know Christ, starting my Christian life, I was so on fire. I was so on fire for God. I was so excited. Uh, I was part of this new church plant. And we were always there. We had... Uh, Wednesday prayer meeting. I think we had also youth gathering during the week. And it was exciting. We would spend uh, sometimes even towards the evening, uh, you know, uh, worshiping in that church uh, venue that they were uh, uh, renting. But I had to go to college. I had to leave college. I had to leave my hometown and go somewhere else. So I ended up going to another city. And I was a very new Christian, not even a year old, I moved to another city and went to college. It was in Iligan. And, uh, and it was easy for me to find churches there because along the main street of, uh, of uh, Iligan, Iligan is a very small city, and along the main street, there are churches around, along the main street. If it's, if, it's, if it's I-35, there were churches along I-35. 
uh, the main street in Iligan City, there were churches. There were old, new churches, different kinds of denominations. So it was easy to find churches there. But I ended up going to a, a church that bought a movie theater. So they had a big movie theater as their church. They, they bought it, and they've been using it for many years. And I, uh, I ended up going to the church because most of my friends in school go to the church. So I said, okay, I'm going to go to that same church because I know a lot of people already there on my first year in college. And, and that was a big church. Like, I would say 2,000, maybe 3,000 members. Um, and they had lots of ministries, all kinds of ministries. Uh, choir, youth ministry, campus ministry, prayer ministry, all kinds of ministries. And, and I got close with the youth ministry and the youth leaders. So I was always there during our youth gathering. They would, they would encourage you to play the keyboard uh, during the youth gathering. And, and also we, we have a campus ministry. I was there for three years, maybe three or four years in that church until I was on my third year. Probably three years until I'm on my third year in college. On my third, uh, so I was three years, spent three years in that, in that church. But one thing I noticed, that I, when I was there the whole time, my life inside the church was different from my life outside the church. I was active in church, but I was not praying. Maybe at the beginning of my few, few months in, in that new place, I was praying, I was reading my Bible, but later on, I was not. I was not, I don't have any devotional time. I don't remember really spending every night in prayer or reading my Bible consistently. And I was living in sin. Active in church, but living a sinful life outside. I don't really have a close relationship with God. But I was active in church. I would sing and praise and worship. I would even be part of the worship team. I would even be involved in the, in the campus ministry. But really, my heart was far from God. And I was not growing as a Christian. And for those three years I was there, I had this image in my mind. This was like, you know, this is how God works in my life. He would give me images or metaphors about my life and God would use that to, to, to convict me, to show me who I am. And during those years, the metaphor that God gave me was a nipah. It was, a, it was a, like a nipahat. I, I don't know what I'll use, but, but I'll just use maybe this piece of paper. You know, I imagine myself was like a nice house. Or maybe this is a good example. I imagine myself as a nice house. I was this house. Uh, there were furniture within. I always had this vision during the year. I was this nice house. But, but my foundation was like stilts, mga palito lang, mga sticks lang. I was like a big house. But you know those nipa huts in the Philippines? They have, they have the, they're, they're off above the ground and there's, they would put uh, like, you know, lumber or sometimes bamboo uh, to hold it up. But think of a bungalow house with only bamboo sticks holding it up. And so I, I, I had that metaphor during those years and I said, in my mind, it was always there. I said, Lord, I feel like I'm this house. It's a, you know, a good house, but my foundation is not there. And, and if any time something happens, anyone, if someone breaks that foundation, that whole house will just come crashing down. And I was so depressed. <laughs> I was active in church, but I felt depressed about my spiritual life. And the feeling that I had about my walk with God, my relations with God, I, I felt like I was crawling on mud. 
that, that is a common image for me sometimes as well, that I feel like I'm crawling on a muddy ground and I don't know how to stand, I don't know how to walk. I'm just crawling on the ground for those three years. So what's wrong here? I'm active in church. I'm involved in ministry, but I'm crawling on the ground like somebody covered with mud and that image of a house with stilts for a, found for a foundation. You know, I, I was part of a church. I was supposed to grow as a Christian, but I wasn't growing. Nothing was happening. Nothing significant was happening in my life. Although I was in church every Sunday. Then on the third year in that city, in Uligan, there was one of our kuyas, one of our leaders, got married. And so he invited some of the Christian leaders in the city. And one of the pastors that went to that city, you know him. Uh, we support him right now. He was one of the pastors who came, Pastor June. He was one of the, the Ninongs. And so I, I, I so happened to sit beside him because, you know, ng sit don't say youth, youth area. Youth, all that sits in the youth area was filled. So I said, Al, why don't you sit beside the sponsors? <laughs> so I was together with the sponsors during the wedding. I was the only youth there. So I sat beside him, and all he told me, one of the, I remember, I, I know he said a lot of things, but what I remember he told me while we were sitting beside him, while having, you know, while enjoying the, uh, what do you call this? What's the food for the wedding when you eat? Reception. Reception. There's a few people who's going to get married soon in our church. God. Looking forward to the reception as well. Uh, so while during the reception, what I remember he told me, Al, he told me, Al, come visit my church. I said, okay. So uh, I, uh, the next Sunday, I, I think it was the next Sunday or two Sundays later, I went to his church. And he was meeting in a, in a hotel room in a, there's only one, I think, one major beauty, nice hotel in the city. Forgot the name, but there's only one nice hotel there. And they rented one room in that hotel. And when I entered that room, that was his church. Uh, I think there were only 16 people in that church, and I think 16 or less. And half of the members were his family members, his wife, his children, his uh, dad, his mom. And the rest were youth uh, students, like around six to eight students were there. So it was only 16 people, you know, coming from a 3,000-member church, like coming to this small church. You know, I didn't really have any, I didn't have any kind of judgment against the church. I just, I was just, I was just amazed that he, his, he was, you know, committed to pastoring this small church, a 16-member church. Around that time, there were 16 people, I think. Then, when I sat there during the sermon, the first Sunday I was there when he pre preached. He preached for one hour, I guess. You know, that was the first sermon that I ever heard that I felt that everything around me just turned black. Like, <laughs> you know, those images when you, when you experience some one day where everything just turned black and you see only one thing right before you. Uh, that, that, that when I was sitting there in front, on the front row, listening to him, as if everything just turned just silence and everything just turned dark and all I see is Pastor June preaching and every word that he said I everything everything he said I was just taking it in I don't even remember what the sermon was but I know at the moment I was taking in everything he was saying and I didn't, I didn't feel my surroundings anymore I was just so focused on his sermon what he was saying 
and, and that changed the direction of my Christian life. Not just that sermon, but after that Sunday, I ended up going to two churches because I was still committed to that big church. So I would go there in the morning, and you know what time Pastor June would be meeting during the time? At 3 p.m. in the afternoon. <laughs> so, so we would go there. At, I would be at that big church in the morning. I would be at this church at 3 in the afternoon. And we would hang out until the evening. More like our church also. We would hang out until 7 in the evening in there. And, and, and from that moment on, I started going to two churches and eventually I moved, left the big church and committed to this to his church. Um, and I started playing the keyboard. I did what Erwin was doing. I was the music director of that church. And eventually became one of the elders of the church, a youth elder. And, and I was involved in campus ministry as well on this, his church now. And, and later on, Ariel joined me as well. I see, Ariel and I, we were going to that big church, but it took a while for Ariel to join me, so eventually two of us were going to the church. But what was significant when I was there, he focused on teaching the Word of God. That was really the difference. Because what I noticed on that other church I was going to, they were focused more on testimonies, on sharing, you know, this is what I experienced from God, this is what God did to me. And, you know, it was good. But every Sunday, most of the sermons were like that. And maybe that's the reason I was, not, I was not growing because I didn't really know the Bible. I didn't know the Word of God. All I knew was, uh, you know, uh, the testimony of the pastor, the testimony of the people in the church. Well, I mean, the testimonies are good, but, but the focus on this smaller church I was going to was the preaching of the Word of God. And we would spend time together. You know, sometimes we would hang, I would hang out at this he had a house that uh, was a Nipah hut. Uh, in the, his parents had a, had a big lot, and his parents' house was some on the main part of the lot. In the side part of, it, of that big lot, he had a small Nipah hut where he and his wife and his children lived. And we would hang out there at the porch. I know Ariel remembers this. We would hang out in the porch there, and we would talk in the afternoon. And sometimes early in the evening, we, we, all, you know, all of the students, we don't have much money. So, so if there's free food, we would go to where the free food is. And back then, you know, when they go to their house, there's lots of food. So we go, okay, free dinner. Then we would hang out there. Then afterwards, I would go to his nipa hut and at the porch and we'd just talk. And sometimes those conversations would last from 7 in the evening or 9 in the evening. It would be there. I would be with him until dawn. <laughs> like three or four in the morning, and we will still be discussing things, a lot of things. And that happened often. And you know, that image of me being a house without a foundation, that changed, radically changed. It, and, and my experience of crawling on mud, I was now running as a Christian. I was now running. I was not crawling on mud. There's this huge difference in my relationship with Christ, in my walk, in my ministry. I was sharing the gospel. I was discipling other people. I was leading a life group as well in our campus, in our campus ministry. And I was involved in ministry as well, involved in the church. Made a huge difference in my Christian life. That until, to, until today, that experience during those 
I would say three years I was there with the church. The second church, not the first one, the second church. It's still impacting me today. The decisions I make today as a Christian, I still go back to that experience. I said, this was a good model. This was a good model for me to follow, to emulate as a church. Where people love one another, very close to one another. Just think about this. We meet at 3 in the afternoon, like this. But, of course, I cannot expect this from you. But back then, we were all students. We would be there till midnight. <laughs> every, almost every Sunday. We would be at the church venue until 11 in the evening or 12 sometimes. After the service. And sometimes the pastor would preach for... I know, I know you're, you're going to complain one hour sermon, but there are times you would preach more than one hour, like maybe two hours or more. And no one wanted to... In fact, we, we would want him not to stop. If he could preach for seven hours, we would still listen to him. And, and, and God was changing the lives. That 16-member that church it grew to 120 kids eventually. But what's amazing about the church that I haven't seen in any church ever, and I pray that we, our, ch our church will be like that, but think of a church that's 120 kids. Each person was sharing the gospel. Each person was burdened in making disciples. Each person was, was involved in a life group. Everyone, everyone you talked to was passionate for Christ. There was no one like, I'm not doing anything for God, I'm not... I mean, the sidelines, no one. Everyone was very active. That's amazing. I've never seen anything like that. Then if there's 120 people during the Sunday service, there were 120 people during the prayer meeting. And if we have a morning prayer, like we go to, go to the beach and we pray together, everyone was there. Although I cannot expect it, of course, many of you, you have families, you're professionals, and you got business, jobs and business. Of course, back then we were all students, so I think we had a lot of free time during the evenings or weekends or even mornings. Everyone was there, present. And that's why we, we, we grew very close as a church, very close. But it was easy to support one another. Someone has a problem, people, even though we didn't have much money back then, but people can just give money to someone in need easily without any hesitation. People cared for one another. I would say back then when I was there, I would say this was the Acts church. This was the church that, that Peter and the 12 disciples experienced in the book of Acts. I'm seeing it right before my eyes. But I, what, what I'm trying to point out here why I'm sharing this to you is being committed to a church, being committed to a body of believers that really teaches the word of God has a Will, will make a, a, a significant impact in your Christian walk, in your Christian life, in your relationship with the Lord. And not just, not just a commitment in terms of, you know, I'm going to listen to the sermon and, and worship a little bit on Sunday, then leave. But commitment that involves you know, serving, that you are part of the ministry, that you are involved in ministry, that you are faithfully coming to church on Sunday. Back then, I would be there every Sunday. Because I was the music director, so I had to be there. You know, I had a lot of uh, back then. There were times that I would fail to print the, the music copies, and they would and 
you know, because we didn't have projector back then, we just print the copies on paper. I was responsible for that, and I was always stressed because sometimes I don't know where, I don't know where to print because we don't have printers back then at home. So I had to go to a computer shop to print for the church copies. And I would come in right, just right before the service, bringing in the copy. Then, okay, let's start the worship. <laughs> but I was always there, involved. And, and I was always there during the week, you know, the, because we rented a house back then. So we would, we would go to that house during the week, hang out as youths. We would play guitar, sing some songs, encourage one another. Then during Wednesday, we have our prayer meeting. We would be there. And that made a huge impact in my life. Even at that moment, I was really growing. I could see my growth happening every day. And I believe this is the model. This is not just my life, but this is really the model that God's shown us in Scripture, right? Just think of the disciples. They spent time with Jesus 24 by 7. They were always together for the three years of Jesus' ministry. I know we cannot come to that level in this life, but... But what I'm saying is being committed to a church, being committed to ministry, being involved can truly make an impact in your walk with God. You, you, you begin to look beyond yourself. And I praise God He given me that opportunity to be in ministry as early as that. I was around 18, 19, up to when I was 20, until I passed 20 when I graduated from college. God has blessed me with that experience. And I pray that we in this church, we will be the same involved in ministry. I pray that you'll have that kind of burden. You know, the passage that David just read today, and I'm going to close in this passage in Ephesians uh, chapter 4. Let me go back here. It says here, the beginning of this passage, As a prisoner of the Lord, and I urge you to live life worthy of your calling, you have received, be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing one another in love. We, we did talk about this a while back. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you are called to one hope. When you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, over all, through all. How do you develop this oneness as a church? It is really getting to know one another through fellowship. Serving in ministry together. That's how we develop this oneness. The unity that what the Christ wants for us. And you see the importance of being part of a church. Because it is through the church that God raises up leaders. Who can help you in your spiritual walk. In verse 5 it says. Uh, 9 sorry. Verse 9 says. What does, he, what does ascended mean? He ascended mean. Except that he also descended in the lower regions. Talking about Jesus coming to earth. And now ascended to heaven. But after his ascension. He descended, uh, who has descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens to fill the whole universe. And he gave some to become apostles, pa prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. It is through the church that God raises up leaders to establish in your faith. You know, as a church, we have, and the reason why I'm sharing also this, because during our leaders meeting last, last week, we, do, we, we did talk about the need for our church to have, it, to having, to have a, uh, the need to have a formal membership process. You know, we're early on when we started as a church, we had a formal membership process where 
I get to hear you. I get to hear your commitment. I get to hear your, your commitment in terms of are you committed uh, to ask you, are you committed to River Life as a church? Are you committed to this church? Are you, um, are you all in to this, in this ministry? And we had this uh, membership process back then, but, but uh, because of different kinds of circumstances, and especially when we converted to, uh, we transitioned from, from FCF to River Life, I had a plan to redo this process as River Life Church, where I, I would ask for, you, for your commitment to, be, to support this ministry. I want to hear from you personally in terms of your commitment. But when COVID came, sort of this went to the sidelines. But I would like us to go back to this. Because, I, you know, I, you see the importance of being part of the church. But not just being part of the church, being part of the right church. And I pray that we'll be that church. We'll be the church that is able to establish you in your faith, encourage you, to help you grow in your faith. And that, that God will raise up, you know, pastors here, teachers, evangelists in this church who will encourage you, who will build you up in your faith. And that we as a church will be united, one. We are serving together in the process. We are encouraged, united, and grow together in Christ. And, and so... I, I believe that this is something we should, we should pursue. And I, I praise God for the discussion we had during our leaders' meeting. And I might meet with you personally. I might meet with you in turn, by life group or, or maybe in groups. But I pray that you begin to consider this. Uh, are you committed to River Life Church? Are you committed to support this ministry? Because here's, if you're going to ask, ask me what my heart is, I want you to be here every Sunday. I want you to be involved in every life, every, all the life groups. Uh, if you are part of Leander, be involved with Leander. If you're involved with a care group online or life group, be involved. But I want you also to be part of a one-on-one -on -one discipleship ministry. If no one is discipling you, then let me know because I can probably do that. Or some of the women, if you are a woman. And I want you to be involved in ministry as well to take part in ministry, that there is something you're doing in the church. Even if you're a new member of the church, if you're new to the church, if you, had, if you had, don't know the Bible as much, I want you to also be involved in ministry. Pick a ministry. Maybe you might say, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure where I should be. Then just pick one. Then, then try to do it. If it doesn't work, then move to another different ministry. But I pray that you'll find, find your place in the body of Christ. Find your place. It takes a while to figure that out. You know, uh, some people, they figure it out right away, but some not. And, and when you begin to do this, be, be involved, be connected, growing in the knowledge of the Word of God through our life groups, through discipleship, coming to church every Sunday, then I believe it will make an impact in your life. I, I, you know, the people I see here that are growing quickly and are being established, and now they're sharing the gospel. Now they're, they're, they're discipling other people. Now they're leading life groups. Are the ones that are consistent, that are faithful, that are serving. And I want, I, I, my prayer is that everyone is like this in our church. Not just me, not just a few people, but everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a small church, but it'll be amazing even though in our size, if everyone is involved in ministry, active in ministry, that will be Amazing. That's that, that a lot of churches are like that. 
But being committed to a church, again, another thing I want to say is that it's more than just coming to church on Sunday. It's more than just, it's more than just being involved in ministry and, and whatever we do in the church. It is a commitment you're making before God. It is a covenant you're making before God. Because when we're together as a church, this is actually a covenant relationship. We are agreeing that, that I will be committed to you as a pastor and the leaders of the church will be committed to you and you are committed to me and to the leaders as well. We're committed to one another. It's like a wedding. We are making a pledge, a commitment to one another before God. So that's why this is not something we can take lightly as well. And that's why this formalizing this membership process or partnership, I would like to call this more like a partnership between us. It helps me see who are really committed to this church. And, and I want to hear also whether you're committed. Because, you know, if, if you keep on doing this ministry and people are not as committed or not coming to church every Sunday also, for me, it's a bit, I know numbers is not really the biggest deal, but it, it does affect me. If people don't show up on Sunday, then it's hard for me. Even those who are online, I don't want you to stay online. I want you to come to church. Because it's not really encouraging for me if you're just going to listen online. I know I, know I want you to listen online, but, as it, but it's even more encouraging if you're here physically. You know, one of the things, one of the things, when you, one of the things that we didn't do right in this church, that we, I hope next time if, if I'll start another church, but well, let's, try to fix, let's try to make this work for us. One of the things that church planters do before they even start a church, they need to make sure that they had around 50 or more people on church every Sunday before they even say that this is a church. If they will not be able to reach out that, they will not continue the church ministry. Sadly for us, we don't even mostly we don't have that much people here every Sunday. Travel people online. We don't even qualify for that criteria at this point in time. We don't have fifty adults in this church Sunday. And so the question is how can we go on if we don't we're not have we're not committed. Those are on, I know those who are here. I praise God that you're here. But those who are, who are at home, I pray that you begin to come. I know some of you fear COVID, but you know, it's about time that you should come out of your shells. Come out of the caves where you're in right now. You know, whether you're in or out, it's up to God. It's up to God if it's going to keep you healthy or not. In the end, it is God's will if it's going to keep you alive or not. So in the end, our confidence really is in God, not whether you're able to hide yourself from other people potentially who has COVID or protect yourself by staying at home. It's not really what protects you. Sometimes you might think that you're safe at home. You're not. You're not. That's why I really encourage you to come. If you're from Austin, come join us here. Because it's definitely more encouraging to see faces here, to see everyone here. And sometimes if I only see few people come to church on Sunday, sometimes, you know, comes to my heart, I would tell myself, Lord, cancel natin ang river life, Lord. I'm just going to do something else. I'm just going to continue my job as a pastor because this is nothing is happening. And it saddens me. But that's the attack of Satan against me. Do you know how many times Satan would tell me, I'll give up, give up, give up, give up, go home, stop what you're doing. I get that a lot. Every week. I get that a lot from the enemy. And so, 
that's why I wanted to hear your commitment. Because for me, it's very encouraging. And I know that those who are here are committed. I praise God for that. But I know there's many who are not here today. And I want to hear their commitment as well. I know some of you support the church financially. And that's, I praise God for that. But much better than financial support is being here, being in fellowship. That's, for me, that's far more greater than your financial support. Although we need the finances as well, of course, right, Seth? <laughs> but the fellowship, far more greater. Far more greater. Being involved in life groups, being involved in discipleship, that's far more greater. So if you are supporting this church financially, I hope you, you want, in the right time, you would come. Join us, be involved. Not just be a stranger to us. That's why be ready, because I'm, I'm, we're going to go through this, and I need the help of the leaders of this church to be able to do this as well. We're, we're going to work this by life group, right? Clay, uh, Ariel, uh, Renel, uh, we're going to talk to the youth as well. Because we want this, I think as we move forward now as a church, especially we have our church building plan, and we just changed, of course, I think it's more than two years already, or around two years we changed our name to River Life, I think. I think we, 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 know, we need to know who can be counted. Who are those who are committed? Because, you know, if I'm going to commit to you, you need to be committed to the leaders as well, right? Both, it goes both ways. It's not just pastoral who's going to make commitment. Because I'm also struggling, right? Both of us are struggling. So our commitment will help us overcome those struggles. And I would like to call this our partnership, our covenant relationship. And the promise in closing, the promise in, in here in Ephesians, that as we commit to one another, this is what's amazing. It says here that what's the purpose of being in this relationship, in the church relationship, in the church ministry? To prepare God's people for works of service because you're the ones who's going to serve God as well. You're going to serve God. Uh, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, becoming mature, attaining the full measure of Christ, that we will no, no longer be infants tossed to and fro by the waves, you know, uh, uh, by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of doctrine or teaching, the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all, we, we, we all, uh, in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. We become like Christ more and more as we serve one another. So coming to church on Sunday and listening to me preach, you need something more than this. You need to, you need to, do, to do more than just listening to me every Sunday. If, you, if this is your Christian life, if it's only listening to me every Sunday, I don't even need to know what's going on in your life. You are not growing in your relationship with Christ. This is important. This is part of who you are. By the way, the purpose of the sermon is not just to help, to help you understand the Word of God. This is what unites us also. This also helps us come to unity as a church because you're listening to the same message. And therefore, you're going to eventually think the same and feel the same on certain things. Like we just talked about Israel. My desire is we will feel the same for Israel. We will understand the same things with regards to Israel. 
It brings us together. This allows us to be united. But, but the, although this is important, we need to do more. Be involved. Serve in a ministry. If you don't know what ministry to serve, let me know. Talk to me. Talk to some of our leaders who are doing ministry. And I know many of you might want to be singers. Right? Clay, you want to be a singer, right? Not everyone should be in the worship ministry, right? But, but I know many of you might want to be part of the worship team. But there's still more. There's still more things that we can be, do and be involved. Right? And let me just mention three things, then we'll close in prayer. Three things. The reason why we need to commit to a church, because Christ is committed to you. And this is His body. And the church is the only way that we can fight against the forces of evil in this world. This is the only way. This is only God's means. This is the only entity in the world that God has purposed to come against the evils in this world. Because this is the body of Christ. And this is also the way for us to know, you know, how are we in terms of our commitment with Christ? Am I really committed? And how do you show that commitment? By being involved in a church. That's how you show your commitment to Christ. Because this is, again, this is the body of Christ. If you are separated from the body of Christ, then you're on your own. How do you know you're committed to Christ? Are you committed to His body? Are you committed to serving other believers? Are you committed working together with these other believers in sharing the gospel to others? And this is how growth is being accomplished, produced in your life. This is how you're going to grow. Some might be very slow. Some might be quickly. But this is how you're going to grow. By being in the body of Christ. Let us pray. Let's all rise up in prayer. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your presence today, Lord. Lord, I pray for our church, O oh God, that will be the kind of church in everything we do, Lord, and truly, Lord, makes an impact, O oh God, in the life of everyone who is part of this church, who are partnering in this church, O oh God, with us in this ministry, who are members of this ministry. And we'll make an impact, Lord, in the lives of everyone, Lord, who are here, who comes to church every Sunday, who are involved in our life groups, in our care groups, who are involved in our Bible studies, whether group or one-on-one. -on -one involved in our ministries, oh God, Lord, whether it's our youth, our children's, Lord, even our women's, our men's ministry, Lord, and other things that we do, Lord, whether it's the music ministry, or even the leadership ministry, Lord, the team, Lord, that leads the church, or the elders, Lord. Lord, that in everything we do, Lord, whether it's outreach, the Lord, what we do, Lord God, will, will cause us, oh God, to to grow in you each day more and more to be like Jesus Christ each day. I pray that this we will have this impact, Lord, in the life of everyone here, Lord. And Lord, help us to do what needs to be done, Lord. If we need to pray more, if we need to, to read your word more, if we need to study your word more, if we need to meditate on your word more and more, Lord, help us do what needs to be done, Lord. If we need to be careful in how we live, Lord, to make the most of every opportunity, Lord, to begin to reject any kind of sin in our life and to live a holy life, Lord. Help us, Lord. 
We want to be effective in what we do, Lord. We want to be righteous and holy in the way we live, Lord, because we want our prayers to be powerful and effective, Lord. In the same way, Lord, we want our ministry to be powerful and effective as well, Lord. Help us, O oh God. Lord, you know that I cannot do this on my own, Lord, for I am weak, O oh God, and you know my weakness, you know my sins. And none of us, Lord, can do this on our own strength. We need you, Lord. We need your Holy Spirit to revive us, to strengthen us, reignite that flame. If, if that flame is, is diminishing, Lord. And Lord, my heart grieves also, Lord, that we have people, our bro- people in our church who are still hard-hearted towards you, Lord. Who are still, their heart is still a heart of stone, O oh God. And they haven't opened their heart to you yet, Lord. It grieves our heart, Lord. I ask you, Lord, to touch their heart, to touch their lives. Take hold of their heart, oh God. Take hold of their mind, of their souls. And bring them to salvation, oh God. To the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I pray that they will learn to have a humble heart. Because, Lord, they are still full of pride, oh God. They're still full, full overflowing with pride, oh God. They don't have to say it, but you can see it in their ways, in their eyes, in the way they talk. There's so much pride. Because, Lord, the reason why people reject Jesus is because they're a mountain that needs to be brought low, a valley that needs to be filled, a crooked way that needs to be made straight and rough way that needs to be smooth. Break down that pride, oh God, and only then they can see the salvation of the Lord. Break down that pride. If anyone here has so much pride in their heart, they might not admit it. Reveal it to them, Lord. Show them their pride, Lord God. Reveal to them, Lord God, how evil is that. That pride is the very thing that prevents them from seeing Jesus Christ. Understanding His word, understanding the gospel. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, anyone here who's blinded by pride, oh God, Lord, break that down in the name of Jesus. And any wall that Satan has established in their heart, any barrier that's in their mind, Lord, I pray that you break down those barriers, O oh God, that Satan has put in, Lord, in the name of Jesus, O oh God. And open their hearts, their mind to you, that they will humble themselves before the cross, kneeling before Jesus, surrendering their lives to you. And even as believers, oftentimes, it's also the very same pride that prevents us from from experiencing the fullness of everything that God has planned for us, all the spiritual blessings, all the thing, good things that God has prepared for us. It is this very same thing. It is pride and, and our attachment to the sins and the ways of this world. Lord God, deliver us, oh God. Deliver us from sin, from evil, from the ways of the world, and even pride that keeps us, oh God, from experiencing the fullness of who you are and all the things you have planned for us. Lord, I pray for River Life that you change us, O oh God. Lord, help us not to remain as we are as a church, O oh God. Lord, help us to continue growing, growing, getting better and better every day, Lord God, growing into the likeness of Christ, growing into the ministry that Jesus has purpose for us, has planned for River Life. And all of us growing along together in this in this in this in this in this ministry in this work that God has for all of us. 
know, this ministry is not just the ministry of one or two people. This is our ministry, and we're here in this together because all of us are members of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I may be the mouth, but some of you are the eyes, some of you are the hands, some of you are the feet, some of you are the heart, some of you may be the brains, ears. Oh God, help us to work together as a church. The body of Christ. Growing, united. Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you for all these things that you've revealed to us, Lord. Remind us of all these things as you have commanded, you have told us that through your Holy Spirit, you sent him to remind us of all things that you have commanded us. Let it be so, God, for each one. May your grace and your power, wisdom, Lord, be upon everyone, Lord, even those who are listening online. And I do pray that you who are online, please, if you are here in Austin, join us physically. Join us. It's about time. Bless us this coming week, oh God, till we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen.